Okay. So a uh, horse walked into a bar. And, oh, fuck, I fucked it up. No, I got it. I got it. A black <laughs> horse walked into the bar. No, that gives away the punchline. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> this joke is good. This is good. Keep going. Yo. I didn't take the fish from the goddamn water. <laughs> The fishermen of the British Isles who came to Newfoundland during the summer months was cod fishing people. The problem of survival. The honorable member for Half a million souls. Order, please. Order, please. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Indie Podcast. I'm Drew Brown, editor-in-chief of The Independent, and I am joined today by my co-host Andy Bullman and our producer Luke Quinton. It's no longer legal to be in the same room together, so we've got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to be talking about the horrible, no good, very bad provincial COVID election that finally just mostly wrapped up after 69 goddamn days. We'll round up the winners, losers, and surprises, and then hopefully never have to talk or think about this terrible election ever again. But first, Andy, what is going on? Uh, I guess for the roundup, we'll start with world news. Um, So... It's mostly bad. Yeah, um, it's <laughs> bad. a lot of civil wars, <laughs> lots of bad stuff. Um, so I just picked like two less bad, more on the intriguing side of things to talk about. Um, mm. The first is um, we're in the middle of a baby bust, which is really surprising to me. I actually thought there would be a baby boom during COVID. It's um, true. There's not much else to do. There's uh, no, yeah. <laughs> you can only make so much sourdough, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like... Personally, in my world, it seems like a lot of people are having babies, so... I mean, I did hear that, like, the best time to have a baby was actually, like, during the lockdown quarantine period. It was bad if you had, like, small children already, um, but if you, you know, had... If you were just, like, just having a newborn, it was great, apparently. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah, I, I've i heard that, too. But uh, globally, just, a, like, a massive decrease in people having children. Mm. Um, and I am personally not surprised because I just think we're all very economically traumatized. Yes. Uh, yeah. It, we're... We're the white rhino. We're pandas. We can't fuck in this zoo, you know? <laughs> it's true. It's not trying to make the zoo it's sexy. Of, it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah, I can't. <laughs> so, yeah. I, yeah. So, I guess I thought that there'd be a lot of babies during COVID, but there is not. And hmm. now that I've heard it, I understand. <laughs> it dovetails really nicely with all those recent reports of, like, progressively dropping sperm counts. Uh, that's good. Yeah. We're, we, we are on track for the children of men future. It's very cool. <laughs> that great. is a great movie. It is an it's an amazing movie it's one of the best starts like the opening scene where the building explodes oh that's yeah. a powerful oh man i haven't seen the movie in maybe like 10 years but i still think about it constantly it's that good it's a and great movie. haunting yeah. anyway yes this is uh, sponsored by fucking children of men <laughs> and and this is the last children of men aside but i do want to say i think julian moore is really underrated as an actress uh the other second thing is at the start of the pandemic and in the middle of the pandemic we'll say last summer early fall uh sleep scientists globally didn't seem like our sleep patterns had been interrupted too much um but now it seems that there's an enormous surge in vivid dreams about being swarmed by bugs Hmm. so brains are cool (laughs) that is that is cool i mean yeah i've definitely been having like weird probably pandemic related dreams i haven't had the bug swarming dream yet so that's something to look forward to i guess yeah i think it's just interesting because it's like is collective anxiety a thing or do our brain like it's Mm. just kind of interesting yeah, I mean, I guess, like, everybody on Earth has now gone through 18 months of just fucking crazy shit collectively. You know, more yeah. than the crazy shit we go through collectively on yeah. any normal year. Yeah. 
So um, fascinating. So those are two depressing things happening globally. That's not as depressing as other things I could have talked about. Excellent. That's the spirit. That's <laughs> yeah. the sweet spot. Uh, nationally, Ontario's back in lockdown. Alberta's back in lockdown. And what can we even say? What yeah. can you even? I mean, you know, the what is it? Like first, the first wave was a tragedy. The second wave was the first. The third wave, I don't even know what to call it. It's just a mess. It's a fucking train wreck. You have to stop. <sighs> like they're they're opening, they're they're shutting yeah. things down, then opening things too quickly. Well, it's also like they're not completely like <laughs> shutting things down, right? Like malls are still open, and like all the workplaces where people are actually contracting and spreading the disease are still open because like they don't want to actually shut down the economy. So instead, we're going to do this like half-ass thing where the economy never really fully reopens, and people just keep getting sick, and society fucking collapses because this is what happens when you elect fucking clowns. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, no, no, no. It's not a lockdown. Ontario's got this fucking like twelve color system from like you know like red alert, which means like everything's fine, to like white, which means total shutdown, and like all this weird shit in between. Where like you can go to the fucking mall. I mean, England was in massive trouble earlier this year, and that's because when they were doing their lockdowns, they were like. Uh, pubs are still open yeah. though. Yeah, like pubs rather, don't count. We've decided you can still go to the pub. Yeah, rather well, like rather than like you know like subsidizing all the restaurateurs that were like closed down and furlough everybody, they would just like subsidize people go to the fucking restaurant and like yeah. we'll pay you to go buy the meal. Like instead of like just we'll pay the pub to stay closed so yeah. we don't die. Yeah. yeah. So, um, it's, it's and this so is cool. connected. Another thing happening nationally is um, people in these provinces are buying houses in other provinces. <laughs> so yes. so uh, folks who are able to buy a house and who live in Alberta and Ontario are now buying houses in safer places, mm-hmm. which is causing a uh, skyrocketing housing prices. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the great Canadian housing hot hotness uh, is no longer confined to Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver. It's now everywhere. The entire country is in danger of having its housing market overheating. I think there are a lot of like policy people and banks who are like, please, someone do something about this because the, this is it's a real risk to the rest of the country. Yeah. If our, if and when our housing market finally fucking collapses. The housing in Prince Edward Island has gone from like it's just insane in this last year what's happened it, it's yep. you could buy a house there for 190,000 like a nice house now you can't buy anything for 190,000 yeah, it's you have to have 350,000 now to buy yeah. a house in PEI and the same thing is happening in Halifax. There are lots of like renovations and like just stuff disappearing and prices exploding. Like I think they've had to bring in rent control and it's going to stay indefinitely in Halifax at least. Yeah. Cuz it's not and now it's happening here. Yeah. And um I mean I can barely buy a home. I am just right at the cusp of being able to afford a home in St. John's and we're looking right now. And this isn't helping. Uh yeah, it just makes me wonder like what housing would be like if we lived in a society and not an economy. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's the big thing, right? Like the great secret of like the Canadian housing market is that like we don't treat houses as like properties for people to live in, like a, a house as a thing of use. So, like housing is like a financial instrument at this point. It's a form of monetary policy to, you yeah. know, which <sighs> explains why people are. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a, I was like really mad about this in the shower earlier and had a whole like rant done <laughs> and now it's just totally dissipated because I'm, yeah, I've also seen 
some real pieces of shit houses go for crazy prices and like bought sight unseen by people from toronto who have can't afford like housing anywhere in that area but can now just like buy up houses here because geography is fake now yeah and um i mean i almost feel bad like if someone's going to move here from ontario like did you know we don't have spring (laughs) like you know (laughs) like I'm just, I'm not sure how much research these people are doing. Yeah. Like, well, I've never seen a cherry blossom yeah. here. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, a big part of it too is like traditionally lots of people just like buy new houses and we just like sprawl out endlessly and there was tons of stuff for everybody. But now it costs like the cost of lumber and building supplies is so insanely high that people are just yeah. like buying older houses, which is good in some ways for the general density stuff, but bad for, you know, all the people who don't have a house to live in and will now have to yeah. start paying like insane Toronto level rent. Well, bad for houses too. I mean, all these beautiful houses, well, in 10 years, there's going to be a lot of terrible flips on the market. Oh my so God. get ready for that. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the, that's the other downside of treating housing as a financial instrument rather than a fucking house. Today's like cool, hot reno makeover. It's going to be tomorrow's fucking dated ass, horrible fashion that nobody wants to buy. Yeah. Looking at you, granite countertops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate them so much. Oh, but I hate it. There's a few other things I hate more. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I caught a glimpse of some home and garden television over the weekend. And yeah, let's just say my rage has been completely unbounded. Yeah. Anyway, but um, yeah, uh, let's t- something positive that's happening um, for now, as long as we can stay ahead of the variants and the vaccine rollout goes well, is that the Atlantic bubble is opening. So that mm. might be open, I'd say, probably a week and a half before it gets shut down. So, like, yeah. I would say you should go. <laughs> like, yeah, like book book be- your trick to Halifax right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then be prepared to, like, maybe camp out there for a month when yeah. <laughs> the third yeah. wave comes because we haven't vaccinated people fast enough. But we were, like, too impatient to, like, wait on reopening stuff. Yeah. And, like, we end up, like, all these other provinces that we're currently laughing about about how fucked up it is. And, yeah. Uh, anyway, it's really cool. It's great. Yeah. Imagine if you got stuck in Nova Scotia for a month. Like, the Nova Scotia things that you can do take, like, two days. Like, mm. it only takes a day to go to Peggy's Cove and slam an Alexander Keith's. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> like you just you know you buy a used lobster trap from someone's yard you've done that you can't like what are you gonna do with the rest of your time yeah we are we're tossing some real stones here from the (laughs) other atlantic (laughs) province where there's so much stuff for tourists to do that's very different (laughs) for nova scotia definitely yeah glass houses that's a good point i'm sorry That's really funny. I can't believe I'm shitting on Nova Scotia. They have the ability to grow peaches. We could never do yeah, that. Yeah, they've got like <laughs> yeah, they've got real seasons and um, yeah. actual population. It's uh Yeah. My apologies. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just so upset about everything. <laughs> like, well, um, you know, we hurt the ones we love. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh in Newfoundland, uh locally, uh high school students are moving to a hybrid learning model. And that's rolling out very quickly uh, before it's probably ready. So I just wanted to take a moment to consider how little teachers get paid, how incredibly adaptable teachers are and how resilient they are and how they've very much been set up as sacrificial lambs during COVID-19. Yeah. So it's just a moment of silence. Teachers, teachers. uh, Yeah. In all seriousness, that is a thankless and difficult job in the best of times. And these are not the best of times. So. I hope your union is doing good work for you, teachers. But I... (laughs) don't know yeah, uh-huh. you deserve so much more than you're currently getting it's true yeah um the mysterious labrador nuclear waste facility made the news <laughs> this week yeah, i that's great happy confederation everybody they're <laughs> going to like do a secret deal to try and bury nuclear waste in labrador for ten thousand years and not tell anybody in labrador about it it's very cool mm-hmm. it's great yeah Thank um you, yeah i mean <laughs> terrible branding 
it's i mean i don't know if this is going to actually happen it seems like it's been soundly denounced by everyone but even the people who are soundly denouncing it are soundly denouncing it and then saying we admit that the perfect conditions are being met geologically in labrador I mean, yeah, I mean, like for me, I think uh, all things considered, like the idea that is being proposed is not necessarily a bad idea. What is bad is that it's all the cloak and dagger shit where you're like, you're not consulting with like indigenous groups in the area. Like, hey, is it cool if we put like an international nuclear waste dump in your backyard? Mm hmm. It's, you know, just common common courtesy. Yeah. I feel would go a long way. Secret emails and yeah, it's bad. It's bad. That brings us to the results of the 2021 COVID nightmare election that lasted for 10 whole weeks somehow. So many, so many weeks. Um, before we start, I'm just going to tell you guys this good joke I heard. Um, it's, <laughs> I just, because the election, talking about the election is depressing, but this is a great joke. So I just want to lighten the mood. Okay. So a uh, horse walked into a bar and, oh, fuck, I fucked it up. No, I got it. I got it. A black horse walked into the bar. No, that gives away the punchline. Oh my gosh. <laughs> This joke is good. This is good. Keep going. A horse walked into a bar, and the bartender said, hey, we got a drink named after you. And then the horse said, what? Eric. Get it? <laughs> Did you think good? No, okay. I thought it was, I laughed for like 10 minutes. <laughs> Do you get it? Because it's black horse? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, if I hadn't screwed that up, you would be dying. <laughs> You'd uh, tell all your friends. If, if only we could go back. <laughs> <laughs> to that time before the punchline had been spoiled. <laughs> All right, now election results. <laughs> yes. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. That actually. Yes. That sh- did, the yeah. process of telling that joke is a wonderful metaphor for how the print election just unfolded. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, so we've got. I think uh, like twenty-two liberal seats, thirteen PC. The NDP came back with two, and the three independent candidates, independent incumbents, were reelected. Which honestly is like not really that much different from what things looked like before the election happened. We went through all this fucking drama to basically get the status quo. The liberals flipped three seats. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The Tory is basically the Tory caucus remains pretty much intact. Uh, Pretty soundly reelected most of those people. Um, They lost Jim Lester and Chess Crosby, which honestly may be in the best interests of the Progressive Conservative Party overall, considering the campaign we just went through um allison being unseated in signal locativity by john abbott is definitely a big shocker um super close 53 votes which i guess is why they are challenging it between the closeness and the strange election process you could probably make an argument that if the process hadn't been a total meltdown things might have been different uh but i guess (laughs) it is what it is until the courts do the recount Mm -hmm. it's funny because like Allison and the NDP are like way more militant about challenging the election and the the uh, dark day for democracy stuff, whereas the Tories have just kind of more graciously accepted their defeat, which is like a total 180 from the last election where Chess came out swinging, saying this was an illegitimate election and constitutional crisis. And this time he just kind of like, yeah, it's over. I'm done. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah weird (laughs) yeah i mean you could speculate all kinds of things from 
But, you know, Rachel's dad's not in politics anymore. <laughs> That's no. <it>. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Now he can begin his uh, true calling of being a, I think, just larger than life Newfoundland folk character, um, which I think he'll be much more suited to than uh, political life, I think. Um, now we can have him on and have like a real conversation about like yoga and all his like seemingly crazy stories, like how he like was taught by the son of the president of Ghana or whatever. Well, who do you think is going to be re- elected as leader of the PCs? Is it- uh, I mean, that's a really good question, actually. And I think whoever they end up picking will tell us a lot about where the party's going. I mean, there's definitely, I don't know. I mean, like Chess did kind of preside over a much more progressive, progressive conservative party than we've seen um, in a long time. I don't know if that still is going to be a major factor going forward or if we're going to maybe sort of pivot back to like the offshore oil and gas super nationalist type person um you know the rotational lives matter stuff that you sort of see crop up in some circles on the internet mm-hmm. um that's kind of you know the bread and butter tory constituency at this point i don't know it's uh it's interesting because normally they've sort of like historically had a really strong fortress in the st john's metro mm-hmm. and that's entirely gone now so I don't know if that's just because they all stayed home or like what what happened, but uh, yeah, the uh, collapse of the Tories in the East St. John's area and in the suburbs of St. John's is uh, super interesting, super yeah. interesting. But uh, yeah, the Liberals didn't really make any gains rural areas. So, um, my predictions when we started this were that the NDP would take five seats. <laughs> Wild prediction. I mean, you know, but we I, yeah, I was so young and full of hope when this started. I um, was really positive that Sheila O'Leary would take Mount Sayo, resoundingly lost to Sarah Studley, and Damien Fox yeah, got she, more votes. Yeah, I mean, you know, like that's, they think, uh, honestly, I think that's kind of a real hit for the NDP. They definitely should have been positioned to do a little bit better there. And uh, yeah, the fact that Sheila came in third, I think is, probably requires some soul searching on behalf of the party obviously Mm -hmm. because the process was so fucked it's going to complicate a lot of this stuff but i think uh in this case that was pretty that's a pretty clear signal i think yep um oh i also thought amy norman would take her yeah i was i mean yeah i have a lot of thoughts about the Lake Melville riding or district, I think, um, I mean, like, so like a lot of Amy's strategy, the NDP strategy in that district, I think, was like getting people who don't normally vote to vote, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the chaos that followed in the wake of postponing in-person balloting, definitely, like, that was totally yeah. obliterated Yeah. for, I think, a lot of the sort of like more marginal upstart candidates, let's say. Yeah, I'm sort of, I'm surprised that the Tories placed as far behind as they did, but I guess that's partly because I think the central campaign kind of collapsed by the end of the, by the end of the regular period and then definitely over the 10, like the six week extended stuff for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and I'm not sure who my other candidate was that I was so confident in. (laughs) I like don't even remember. It just seems like a lifetime ago. Yeah. Um, Well it's yeah, it was almost honestly it almost feels like there were like two elections, right? There was like the regular election and then there was the like COVID election where everything changed. Yeah, neither of us predicted an outbreak of COVID nineteen. Yeah, I mean nobody nobody saw that coming, which, you know, hey, that's that's it. Um what were your predictions? Do you remember? No, I do not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do not remember at all because like whatever they were, they were like way off and like irrelevant after the third week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, 
I don't know. I did. I did actually. I did expect the liberals would probably like. I figured they would get their majority. I thought it would actually be a little bit bigger, and I sort of think that if we had voted on February thirteenth, it probably would have been more substantial than it currently is. Um, I saw like Main Street polling for like what would have happened if the election had been held that they protected like thirty five seats of the liberals, which I think is crazy. Um, and they had like the liberals winning in like Fairyland and all sorts of like weird places that didn't make any sense. Um, I don't think it would have been like that much of a landslide, but yeah, I think at least 25 seats for sure. I think, I think, um, are you yeah. surprised any, that all the independents got in? Uh, you know, not really because I think, so like the party system in this province is basically like broken fundamentally. Mm -hmm. Like I think a lot of the candidates didn't really get any support from the parties. It was basically like everything that like you could kind of do yourself with your core group of volunteers. And I think, I mean, Eddie Joyce is an institution unto himself in Bay of Islands, like that he's got that on lockdown. I, same thing with like Paul Lane in Mount Pearl. The guy is, you know, like you're voting for like Paul Lane, the person, um, and he's, you know, he knows how to... And he, folks he who live doing. in that area have often told me that he's at every event. Yeah. He's no, out like, in the community. He's like, there. He's a presence. And that's, yeah. he's beloved. Yeah, no, he's like, Pauline is sort of like, um, like the archetypal, like constituency guy. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and to a lesser extent, I think also this was the case with Perry Tramper. I mean, clearly he is known and has good connections in the district. And also like, frankly, that district is like a big, like white settler district as well. And mm -hmm. I'm sure that, played into Perry Tramper's re-election. Um, you know, it was a fairly overwhelming um, vote of confidence in Perry Tramper. So make from that what you will, I suppose. Um, yeah, the really interesting thing in Labrador, I think, was Jordan Brown sort of like handily winning Lab West. That, uh, and you our know, votes. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he squeaked through with like two votes last time, and this time it was like 700. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's now an NDP fortress, I guess, in Labrador, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, almost totally due to the union presence of the mines, I think, in, in Lab West, which is pretty cool. Plus also, like, um, <laughs> I mean, he was running against, like, Nick McGrath for the Tories, who very famously was involved in a corruption scandal in the last time the Tories were in government. So it was kind of weird that he came out of retirement to run for the Liberals, or the Tories, but uh, I don't know. We uh, There were some real interesting slates in this election. The big draw of like Andrew Fury was that they're going to get sort of like a really good, strong team of candidates behind this sort of like new kind of political rock star type leader thing. Um, and I think we saw that like in St. John's for sure. In the surrounding political areas. rock star. The man is oat milk. I mean, listen, like I don't just I, I, I agree. <laughs> but I think, you know, like I think they, they were kind of. Yeah, this that's is a legacy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it, was yeah. sort, it was sort of like a Trudeau. They took yeah. the Trudeau playbook right from 2015. Yeah. Um, and I think we did sort of see like some strong candidates like. Uh, on that slate, like I mean, Jemmy Hickey in St. John's Center, I think was like a real get for them. I mm. think uh, I think Carla Hayward in Mount Pearl North also was sort of in that category. Mm -hmm. um, but then, like the further you got out of St. John's, like it just kind of like we didn't really see it come together elsewhere in the province. Like they had Kevin Aylward running in Stephenville, which like I mean, <laughs> when the guy was leader in 2011, the slogan was literally "We can do better." Um, <laughs> And I'm allowed to make that joke because I was part of that 2011 liberal slate. Um, much respect to my former leader. But anyway, when you see Kevin Aylward on the, the docket again in 2021, it's kind of like, okay, so the party, you know, like the, the, the liberal party is not actually in like super strong, hot shape either, really, when you take it fully into consideration. So I don't know. I mean, this was, uh, this was a really fucked up election. And uh, Do you think it'll stand? Do you think it'll... <sighs> That's uh, 
in terms of like where it goes uh in that front i'm not really sure the canadian civil liberties association has sort of said they're not really interested in pursuing any of the problems with like disenfranchisement which sort of seems like i don't know man that's kind of like their whole thing so (laughs) they're not going to take it i guess they don't really feel super optimistic about where it's going to go the ndp has been like way more aggressive about sort of like this may have been an illegitimate election like they're talking about like illegitimately registered voters and stuff it's like real weird not necessarily what i would expect to see from the new democratic party but uh i mean I guess we'll see where it goes. Although, like, I honestly, like, none of the other parties, I think that the heart's just not in it to go through this any further than it has to go. Um, And I don't think anybody's in any condition to do another election, which really is what should happen if we want the process to be, like, totally above board. My God, I need an election. Like, I can't handle a city election. I can't handle a federal election. I need no elections until, like july you know what i mean oh man yeah. tell, like tell me about it like i <laughs> could like even just like thinking about provincial politics right now i could fucking just spit yeah I, this you know like i genuinely live and breathe this stuff and i care very deeply and genuinely enjoy it most of the time but like i'm so burned out on like all this like and i think everybody is mm-hmm. i think everybody's just fucking like sick of it which is also what makes it like a super dangerous moment in time right because like everybody's kind of deliberately turned off and tuned out so like who knows what they're going to do in this sort of vacuum of public attention <sighs> but that's it i guess uh i'm really bummed you guys didn't laugh at my joke more i thought that was <laughs> such a killer i was like they're gonna die <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well you know maybe that's maybe that's how bruce chalk felt by the beginning of this election like this election's gonna rock we're gonna slay it uh and then you know the punchline was a little botched and uh yeah. he just, like, couldn't really just get it back on his track name was and, eric you know yeah that's fun. you guys get it <laughs> okay <laughs> I, I i get it yeah i think maybe the joke needs like well, you needed to learn more about the horse yeah i think well yeah i mean i think you need, like i think there needs to be like a little bit more of a setup because otherwise you know a horse walks into a bear because we, we he don't know clydesdale i'll add that okay. okay but i mean but like yeah so like we need to know he's a black horse in order to get it but yeah. if you say that then that like does kind of you know what i mean like, yeah, away, yeah so there's i think i think the, I think there's a gem, there's a real kernel of humor there, but it needs further elaboration. I'll think about it. Perfect. Okay. So, so like next podcast, you'll tell that joke and it will slay. Yeah, yeah if we, any of the listeners ever tune back in. <laughs> yes. This is good. This is, you know, like we're, we're, this is, they're seeing how the sausage gets made. We're like workshopping the joke. This is good. It's illuminating for everybody. Um... I think that's enough talking about the election because it's so depressing. Oh, God, it's the worst. I hated this election. I hated every moment of it. It was Well, actually, no, I loved the beginning because it was awesome. We were doing so much cool stuff, and it was going to come to this, like, wonderful finish, and then it just, like, went to shit for everybody. Yeah. I feel, you know, I feel, I feel bad for poor Alicia because she, you know, like, she also put a lot of work in and uh yeah we just didn't get any closure for a long time yeah and uh, yeah like by the end of it we were sort of like okay like, what are we gonna do for the election this week and she's just like i'm so fucking tired of this I'm mm-hmm. like yeah me too don't worry about it yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> oh a short-term contract as an elections reporter in this election oh my god terrible man <laughs> terrible it was it was, it was <laughs> going so well that obviously the worst case scenario had to happen yeah um, it was just too. It was too good. We were yeah. we were having too much fun. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. It. That's my fault. I mean, you know, like what comes next? I know. I think the house does have to open for some housekeeping stuff. 
I honestly kind of hope they open the house and fucking fire the chief electoral officer because, For sure. oh my God. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I mean, knowing the track record in this province, we'll probably appoint him to be the new lieutenant governor and or give him like a fucking million dollar <laughs> severance yeah. payment. Would you like a $150,000 a year <laughs> yeah. position at the rooms, sir? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. Uh, let's see. Maybe CBC has a story about the cabinet appointments up. Yes. Okay. Great. Nothing. No, they do. Okay. Uh, I mean, yeah. Like most of cabinet is still basically the same. Like Siobhan is still finance minister, deputy premier. Tom Osborne, education. Uh, Andrew Parsons, industry, energy, technologies. Steve oh. Crocker has moved to tourism from uh, justice. Sherry Byrne back as Minister of Immigration, Population Growth, and Skills. Apparently, we don't do labor anymore, so that's a great sign of things to come from this government. <laughs> uh, Haggy still is Health Minister, which makes sense. Uh, Lisa Dempster, Minister of Indigenous Affairs and Labrador's Affairs. Um, Bernie Davis, Minister of Environment, Labor, and Workplace. And oh, that's where labor went. That's so nice. Good. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Derek Bragg, Minister of Fisheries, Forestry, and Agriculture. Good luck, sir. That department is a nightmare, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially since every time anybody yes. asks the government about fisheries issues, the premier is just like, well, it's a federal issue to me. So yeah. good luck, man. It's uh, great times there. That sounds like a punishment. Uh, generally, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, Elvis Loveless, who is now out of fisheries and into transportation and infrastructure. So... That's pretty good. Now he gets to be the road paving guy, which is the job everybody loves. Uh, Sarah Sidley back is Minister of Digital Government Service NL. Uh, Pam Parsons is Minister Responsible for Women and Gender Equity. Uh, congratulations to Pam on being promoted to cabinet. John Abbott, Children's Senior and Social Development Minister. Minister Responsible for Status of Persons with Disabilities. Minister Responsible for the Community Sector. And Minister Responsible for Newfoundland and Labrador Housing Corporation. There was some speculation about whether or not they'd put John Abbott in cabinet as Andrew Fury's chief rival in the leadership, and it looks like they did and gave him a ton of work, so he'll be really busy and not able to cause any problems. <laughs> Excellent. Um, John Hogan is our attorney general and justice minister, I guess as a reward for unseating Chess Crosby. Mm. And uh, Crystal Lynn Howell is minister of municipal and provincial affairs, which actually that will be, that's pretty good. This, I mean, this is a reasonably good cabinet, actually, I think. Uh, they've removed Brian War and Derek Bennett, which, yeah. Um, cool. Interesting. Who was the minister that was in charge of the rooms? The one that, like, Dwight Ball was like, take it. Take all the Oh, uh, yeah. Chris Mitchellmore. Um, what happened to Chris Mitchellmore? Uh, he did not run again. Okay. They uh, removed him from cabinet when Fury was sworn in in August, and mm-hmm. uh, I guess he decided to take the hint and finish his political career, which honestly... Good call. Great call. Good call. Great. I mean, you know, he didn't have to be a candidate in this fucking nightmare election, so really, the big winner here is Christopher Mitchellmore. Congratulations, Chris. Yeah. In two or three <laughs> years, everyone will forget about that exactly. scandal, and he'll yep. just be living his life. He'll still have his blue check mark. He'll still be a Newfoundland tourism influencer. Chris Mitchellmore is living the fucking dream. Yep. Might show up in like some political book twenty years from now, but no one's gonna read that. No, no, no. I. So footnote. Yeah, Chris. God, good job. I, yeah, no, totally. Footnote. Uh, what I did there? Yeah. Carla <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okay. I need to eat lunch. Yeah. No. That was all right. That was good. We'll accept that. That was good. Yeah. I'm trying Perfect. to dig myself out of the hole. Open with a joke. Close the joke. Perfect.
that's our show for this week. Thanks for tuning in and putting up with my just off-the-cuff reaction to our new cabinet. Congratulations to everyone. Um, and thanks to Andy Bullman and Luke Quinton for putting this episode together. We can now finally put the 2021 provincial election behind us, except not because Bruce Chalk is going to haunt my dreams forever. Uh, the Independent is a non-profit media company, and our work is funded entirely by pay-what-you-can donations. Uh, the website, independent.ca, is theindependent.ca is free of advertising and we don't hide content behind paywalls so when you donate to the indie you're supporting journalism that's accessible to everyone uh we've got a lot of great stuff coming up on the site such as um a few cool projects from our uh, new student intern from university of king's college in halifax uh antonia whalen she'll be on the show later this month to talk about some of the things that she's working on because podcasting is a very important part of a well-rounded jur- education journalism uh second only to the psychological preparation for having your soul to destroyed in the industry that hates all forms of human happiness uh let's see what else uh, a big feature on regionalization from our municipalities correspondent jess potister um in addition to her excellent regular coverage of st john city council uh literally everybody has very strong feelings about regionalization one way or the other so i'm pretty excited to see how this goes over uh and we've also got a new website coming which is extremely exciting it's the culmination of a lot of blood sweat tears and diplomacy and i'm very stoked to finally see it come together it's going to be really sick and the new designs are going to melt people's brains i cannot wait i can't wait either (laughs) (laughs) so check out the independent.ca and join over 250 monthly donors or make a one-time contribution to fund the future of journalism in newfoundland and labrador i'm drew brown editor-in-chief and we'll see you on the next episode